Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. In this series, we found out a few things about mountain-moving faith. In saying that when we look at certain mountains, we have to know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against you, you're not against me, and Many times it can, it, it, it can look that way, but really it's things are spir- more spiritual. I was speaking to someone uh, yesterday, uh, and, and there's things more spiritual. And, and even this morning, uh, before the 9 a.m., someone was talking to me about something going on with them. I said, these things are way more spiritual than what we even give credit many times. And we're fighting not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness. And Jesus said, faith as the size of a mustard seed shall move mountains. Now, we know mustard seeds been one to two millimeters, they're small, but he wasn't talking about really the seed and the size of the seed, but he was talking about the potential. And God has spoken to us many promises, okay? Those promises he speaks to us is his word. Those are seeds in our life. Every one of those promises he's given us for our family, for our church, for our business, for our well-being, are potential. Those are all seeds of potential. What do you do when you have a garden? I mean, if you're my wife, you water it. There's no rain. You go out. Even if there has been some rain, you still get the water hose. You stand it out there. You fight with the dogs, and you 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 you, you spray it down. All right, and, and you're nurturing that. So times in God's presence is how we nurture those seeds, and, and so those are potential. And we looked at this series of faith, talking about how truth is objective, but faith is subjective. Faith is real to the person that possesses it. You can't tell me I don't have what I had. Just because you don't have it don't mean you can tell me that I don't. And and when it comes to faith, faith is a substance of what we've hoped for, according to Scripture. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not a nothing. Faith is substance and faith, faith is evidence. People mess up trying to prove their faith. I don't have to prove my faith. My faith is my evidence. My faith does not look for something to stand on. My faith is what I'm standing on. All right? So then we know faith has a place, their placement. We looked at that, that God's put us in certain places in the world and in the earth, and we need to honor where he puts us, whether it's a job, whether it's uh, in a certain region in which we live. We need to honor those places that God's put us, that we got to know that he, he knows better for our well-being, where we're, what we're supposed to be doing, what we're called to, than what we do, so we should honor those things. Now, I have given you a few jokes uh, along the way, the lead up to this last message, talking about uh, how language of the kingdom is what we're going to be looking at today. There's a language to the kingdom. And you heard me say that people think I'm from Texas. I'm not from Texas. I'm from, I, I'm, I'm Logan County boy. So I'm southern West Virginia, but you get on the phone with people that's not from, uh, that don't know where I'm from, and they think, you know, I'm from Texas or something, or I go out of town, they think that. Uh, but it, people can be speaking English here 2,000 miles away, be speaking English, or 500 miles away, and still yet it sounds different. So everywhere where you go in the world, there's a language, there's a sound to the language. And, and, and as we look at the language of the kingdom, everywhere you go, you have to know in the earth there is a cultural language. And today I feel like that the church is messed up in some ways. And when I say the church, I'm not preaching at you individually. I'm talking about collectively because I see it from another standpoint many times. We live in a world where the news media only knows how to report the negative things in our world. 
But I feel like the church culture has allowed so much of the culture of the world to enter into the church that we become negative like the news. Okay, in fact, news media knows how to take a triumphant story and pick it apart. I mean, I am very guilty, and I know you guys don't like sports, so y'all wouldn't know what show I'm talking about when I say it's the Skip and Shannon show. It's my favorite show about sports. They talk, but they argue, okay? They get on there, and they argue, and, and, and they fight with one another on purpose, okay? They have to come up with something to argue about. They'll both agree that someone's great, but then they begin to pick this individual apart or a team apart. I'm like, my heavens. But it's so entertaining. I download their podcast or late in the evening on YouTube TV. I go home. It has it safe for me if I want to watch it. And I cannot wait for when there's nights that LeBron has a really good night. And I'm not a LeBron fan at all. Not at all. Not a LeBron fan, but uh, I don't know if you know that, but I'm not a LeBron fan. Um, I, I mean, I like Steph Curry. I like some other guys. You know, I'm a Jason Tatum. I'm a Celtics guy, so I'm a Tatum fan. And anyways, when he has a good night, you know that Shannon's going to show up with his big goat face. And he puts on the mask, and he puts on this crown, and he's just like there. He just, it has a cigar sometimes out of its mouth, and he's having a blast talking about and skip gets mad and he's ripping him apart but that's the news world we live in now that's fun entertainment but at the same time there's a lot of negativity to it and let me say this because when it comes to the church world and you hear me talk a lot about culture i god has dealt with me a lot about the church world taking on the culture of the world that that there is a language of the kingdom but then there's a language of the world and let me say, if your convictions uh, from, is from culture and not the kingdom, then you'll never speak the king's language. Now, also, if your so-called intelligent words come from the liberal or conservative news articles or news, not God's word, then you'll never speak the king's language. We have a generation of church more interested in quoting a man's heart than the king's heart. And they have not had enough experience with the king to know what his heart is. And let me say, if, you, if your politics come from news media, not the king's heart, then you'll never speak the king's language. And, and also your philosophies to life and living is based on a book that does not have to do with the king's book, then you will never speak the king's language. I believe there's a language that we need to be speaking in the kingdom of God, that we should be calling those things as not as though they were according to the word of God, that we are to show forth light in times of darkness, and we've got the right to speak life over death, that when death is at our door, and death can be so many things. It can be a relationship. It can be emotion. It can be a job, it could be your finances, that you've got a right to look at that thing and speak life over it and bring resurrection power of Christ to those dead things in your life. All right. I believe our words matter. Confessions of our mouth matter. And if you allow a language of division in your life, then you'll be looking for division in everything. Have you not noticed that our world's so divided, but everything you look at do, to do to the news and other things is such division that they look for division. They look for ways to bring division. Our God is so big. He, he, he division.
vision is not even in his vocabulary when it really comes to who he is and his character. That God is actually a God of unity and bringing people together in a greater anointing. So anything you see that's causing division, bringing hate, bringing down uh, uh, things that has victory and triumph to it, you know that cannot be the language of the kingdom. But the language you allow your line, whether division, defeat, death, darkness, negativity, arguments, and so forth, will be what you speak. In fact, what you read and listen to the most will be what comes out of you the most. All right? So now let's go to our text today. All that just to get to the text. Don't get me wrong. I, don't, don't be worried. I'm not preaching really long today, okay? So you're all right. Matthew 21. Jesus. Here he is. He says, now in the morning, Jesus returned to the city, and he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Well, notice that. He come, he's hungry, he sees a fig tree, he's disappointed, has no food. He said, let no fruit ever come from you again, because it's just a disappointment, disappointing place. Immediately the fig tree withered away, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered them, surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, and uh, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, as we stroll through life, we know there's many challenges. We, we face challenge of education. We face challenge of working and providing, raising family, uh, paying bills, accomplishing goals, starting a family, raising kids, uh, relationships, physical well-being, emotional well-being, spiritual things, and the list goes on. And when you accomplish and think you're doing well in three of them, a, a few months down the road, you've got to go back and work on those things again. And, and whether we get a bump in the road or whether we get a yield sign, many times these things are affected by what I would call spiritual warfare. And some of the bumps are huge and some are just like yields and you got to slow that way down. And don't get me wrong, there's season God will slow you down. And, and that's a different story. It's a different sermon, different time. But I really want to speak to you from the standpoint that when spiritual warfare comes at you and it slows you down and it exhausts you and it stresses you and it brings disappointment in your life. So, so some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I believe probably most of you do, that these bumps many times are hazardous to you and I. Because sometimes these bumps can get our minds on so much of the bump more than it can the potential and the seed that I spoke to you just a moment ago. That we sometimes will forget about the seed of the promise that God's given us. There are certain things God gives us privately. Seeds of faith. Potential. That we got to hold on to, and we got to water, and we got to nurture those. And many times these bumps will cause us not to nurture those. The devil will try to completely stop you in every way that he can. He's very cunning. He knows the potential is locked up on the inside of you. And if he can keep you slowed down and stop, that you'll never reach the destinations that God has called you to, but it remains locked up. Miles Monroe, one of my favorite authors, he would write books about the kingdom. Uh, and culture of the kingdom. Years ago, before culture was even a big thing that people would talk about in locker rooms or in, in the times in which we live. I mean, I'm talking about 25 years ago. He, he died in a plane accident, but he wrote on purpose and potential, and, he, and it's all kingdom-based. He's a pastor in the Bahamas, but he understood kingdom because he lived in the kingdom. 
He knew all about kingdom. But us in a democracy, we, we don't understand kingdom principles. So when it comes to the word of God, we really got to understand that what the kingdom operates is not the same way a democracy. So he was very good and anointed at teaching those things. But he one time made this quote, said there are more people that have already passed on. He said the graveyards are full of untapped potential and untapped dreams. And seeds of promises that God gave that because of bumps or disappointments, and that's not exactly how he say it, said it, but I'm saying it in my way, that they never reached their full potential. I do not want to be the person that goes on to heaven that didn't live out my full potential on the earth. But to live out your full potential on the earth, then you have to take on the language of the kingdom. See, the question I have today is this. What are you going to do about the bump in your road? So you've got to realize, first of all, you're not stopped because God wants you stopped. But you've got to realize that it's not God's will to slow you down in him towards the purpose, okay? Sometimes we have excuses. Sometimes we slow down. Sometimes we get stopped. But let me be plain today. There is a real devil. And he's not in hell with a pitchfork and some horns, but he is the prince and the power of the air according to scripture. And we've seen last week when preaching on Job that he's walking to and fro upon the earth. That he's not in hell somewhere with the people that have went there. But he's literally on the earth. We cannot see him with the natural eye just like we can't see the Holy Spirit, but he is in the earth. So the devil's up to something in your life trying to slow you down. The Bible says in John 10 and 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. It's the enemy's plan to stop you from progressing in God. Because it automatically will begin to press down upon the call and the destiny and the seeds of potential in your life. Once he's stolen your progression, what will happen is if you bake there or stay there, then your seeds of potential will never grow. So the good news is that Christ has given us life and given more abundantly. When we think of a seed, we think of new life. We think of something growing. But the devil will do all he can to keep that seed from growing. James 4 and 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we must stay submitted to God. The moment we see, whether it's pain, hurt, disappointment, whatever that bump may be in our lives, so many different people here today with so many different types of bumps in the road, that when you're stopped, what do you do? Well, the first thing you need to do is say, well, I'm going to submit to God. Because we looked at it last week that in spite of pain that we can still worship God. That you can come to the house of God and have pain. Come to the house of God and have hurt. Come to the house of God and be sick and, and be fighting depression and anxiety and stress and so many frustrations in your life. But in spite of it all, you can have those things and still worship God. So then you submit to God. we got to stay submitted to Him. And that's what keeps us going through the stopping points and still running even though we may be slowed down. See, the Bible says that the devil flees when we tackle our destiny. In other words, when we submit God, we resist the devil. So the devil begins to flee when we begin to tackle those potentials of faith and words that God's given us. And we're going after the destiny. And we know that no matter the crisis, the relationship, the sickness, the job, we're not going to stop now. 
So we've got to make up our mind, even though we have been stopped, that this is not going to be the normal for us. We're not going to allow ourselves to sit here like that fig tree and not produce any fruit. Because many times, like Jesus seen the fig tree, it was a bump in the road and it was disappointment. He was hungry. See from a distance, oh, there's some fruit going to be produced for me on that tree. And I can't wait to get there. I'm going to eat. And I'm starved. But when it gets there, it's full of disappointment because there's no fruit. Many times, the world and culture today will have good thoughts, good things, and good ways. It will drive our emotions. And we think that's going to be satisfying. But when we get there, we're going to realize there's no fruit in it. Nothing to bring us life. But it looks good. It's enticing. It felt good. The thoughts were great. I get there and I'm by the tree. It says nothing that I thought it was going to be. It brings no life. It brings no change. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Sometimes your stopping point or slowing down can seem like the best blessing. But it's just Satan transforming himself into an angel of light to entice you for a moment. Sometimes your stopping point seems like the greatest place. You must pray. Why are you stopping? You must submit yourself to God. Satan can place so many different thoughts in your mind that makes this point in your life look like it's a glowing point. The enemy will try to get you to just sit there and produce no fruit. How do we respond to these places in our life? How do we respond? Well, the first one is, is that we need to curse the barren place. Now, when I wrote that down and I said, this is, this is what I feel like God is telling me, curse the barren place. I'm not telling you to go cuss people, okay, or cuss things. So I don't want you thinking like that, but curse, we have a right to speak blessing, and we also got a right to curse things that Satan brings into our life. And what do you mean by that? If Jesus was able to curse the fig tree and said that it would never produce anything again, there's some things that the enemy, with the, him being an enemy of light, showing himself as light, like it's going to be an awesome thing, that when we get there, that if we realize this is just a setup from the enemy to bring me here, that we have a right to speak, that that place will be barren, that we will not stay here, that we don't have to bypass this thing again, that this does not have to be our season, but that God can give us a new season, and we can speak the name of Jesus and say, I refuse to allow this to be the place in which I live. You gotta make up your mind in that. I mean, you gotta speak life. You speak life over them. You speak the name of Jesus. I get crazy. I start pleading the blood. I plead the blood. Why? Because God's own sent death angel in the Old Testament in Exodus could not even cross the bloodline. If God's own sent death angel cannot cross the bloodline, then I know no devil in hell and Satan himself cannot cross the bloodline. So then I plead the blood around my family, my mind, my heart. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I know that I'm not. But I do know this is that when there's a barren place in my life, it does not have to be the place in which I live. It says in Matthew 21, 18 and 19, down in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry and seen the fig tree by the road. He came to it, found nothing on it but leaves, said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. There's some things in your life that needs to wither away. We find in this text, Jesus returning, he's hungry, disappointment knows no age. The son of God even faced disappointment. The Bible says in all ways was he tempted and he could feel what we, have fe what we feel. He went through all that in the earth. So he knows what disappointment is like. 
He, yes, he did not sin, but he knows he took on sin on the cross, so he knows the feelings of what sin can bring. There's nothing that you can go through or face that Jesus cannot identify with. So even Jesus, at this point of disappointment in his life, for just a moment, immediately said, this does not have to be this season of my life that I have the authority and the power to curse it. See, in the language of the kingdom, we have power to curse things. We have power to curse the things that are barren in our life and to speak life into ourselves and over things that seem like they're lying dormant. Our stopping points are full of barrenness, which brings on disappointment. But the important lesson here is this, is to curse those things that let us down and hurt us. And, and, and this cannot be our season, and this cannot define us. This may be a moment, but it's not a picture of who I'm going to be in the future. This will be behind me soon enough, for the seeds of my potential are going to propel me to my future. See, disappointment has no fruit or life. You can curse the very existence of it. See, remember the battle that we are in is spiritual. So we are adorned in a spiritual matter with prayer, and thanksgiving, and worship. See, the language of the kingdom is your praise. The language of the kingdom is is when you give praise, even though you have anxiety, you still give God praise. The language of the kingdom has been thankful. Even in the midst of a worse season, you see all the good things that God still is doing, saying, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful. That's the language of the kingdom. The language of the kingdom is still yet coming to a place of worship and giving God adoration in your life, no matter the disappointments. The language of the kingdom is speaking life to dead things, speaking life over your family and your kids. Uh, maybe your finances are dead, speaking life over it, that they will come back, that you are going to see a good job, that you're going to see things provided in your home, that because you know the promises of God are yes and amen, that he will provide for us, that he will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. So you just begin to speak life. You're speaking his word. Yes, give him praise today. You've got to make up your mind. This is what we're going to do. I'm, it's funny. I, I forgot who I was around the other day. Oh, I went and seen my father-in-law. He works cardiac rehab. I always got little stories. And I was at a meeting. I went up and seen him at cardiac rehab really quick before I left. And I stopped in and say hi. And he was saying something to be funny. And the other guy goes to a church. So he started calling my father-in-law out. He said, Mike, that's just great confessions there. Go ahead and speak that over your life. It was all this dev stuff. But Mike was joking. But this guy and him get at each other. I mean, you get him. He needs to learn to speak live, you know. And he does that stuff all the time. But that was a joking moment. But for real, we need to know that the confessions of our mouth and, and what we speak of our family is real. And what we speak of our community is real. What we speak of our church is real, that we need to be speaking live. You know, I've heard enough preachers bring gloom, doom, despair, hell, and damnation. Yes, there is a hell to shun, but there's a heaven to gain. Jesus talked way more about heaven than he did hell. It's time to bring heaven to the earth in the place in which we live. Yes, there's a sin problem, but Jesus takes care of it on the cross. I'm telling you, we've got to speak life to people. Why is it that when Jesus spoke this, that all of a sudden things begin to dispel and things begin to change? 
Because Jesus believed exactly what he's speaking. That brings us to the second point today. Believe God and do not doubt. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 21, So Jesus answered and said to them, And surely I say to you, you have faith and do not doubt. There's a portion of scripture that a person even cried out and said, God, help me with, even with my unbelief. That even if you're struggling with doubt. This is the way I look at it. I believe there's always going to be trying to be a seed of doubt. But I believe that your faith seed is greater than what tries uh, the, the doubt sees that the enemy tries to place in your life. And when you practice speaking his word and you practice reading his word and putting it in your spirit and stirring that seed of faith, whether it's through worship or praise or thanksgiving or declaring the oracles of God, and you practice that, it begins to bring a whole new energy to it, which isn't a natural energy, but it's the Holy Spirit beginning to burn in you, beginning to just churn something in you. And next thing you know, there's no doubt there because you canceled out all the doubt by continually making the confessions of your faith unto God and speaking life over the bareness in your life. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift. His gift was preaching. His gift was, he said, don't be fearful. He said, don't be timid, actually, is what he said. When he says God's not giving us a spirit of fear, it's actually a spirit of timidity, that not to be timid. He said, don't be timid. But God's given you the spirit of power, love, sound mind. That's what he's given you. So we, we, we bring that into our life. We said, I'm not going to be timid with it, but I'm going to be bold with the word. See, when the Holy Spirit enters your life, and you begin to stir up this thing that I'm talking about, whether it's through worship, praise, thanksgiving, making confessions of the word of God, whatever you're going through, there's scripture for that. Speak life over it. And when you stir that and you're speaking it out loud and you're not being timid, but you're being bold with the faith, next thing you know, there's no doubt coming against you. You're like, this is what God says. I believe it. That's why childlike faith is so great. You tell a child something, they believe it instantly. We need to be in such relationships, so connected to God with our confessions that when we read it, we don't doubt it one bit. That we's like, that's meant for me. That's his word for me today. For me and my family, we will come to the house of God. Me and my family, we will be healed. Fear will not be an enemy in my home. Frustration will be gone. These things that have completely battled us is no longer going to be there. I speak life. This is a place of peace. And where God's presence is, there can be no confusion, for he brings in perfect peace. Those are things we speak. That's how we pray it. See, faith is not determined by our senses, but it's by what we know. I do not live by what I see or perceive. But I live by what I know. The news may say this. The doctor's report may say this. But God's word says this. And this is what I know. So I'm not living by my senses of what I see. And what I perceive in my life. But I'm going to live at a place. Where I know what his word says. And I want to confess that over my life. See nobody likes to be let down. And some of the biggest hurts that people have. Is when they've been let down. Whether it's a job. Or whether it's finances. Or whatever it may be. But we ask ourselves. How do we overcome disappointment in life? God's given us promises. He's given us power to bring life to every situation. There are people here right now. That maybe you're at such a stopping place. And it seems like everything's barren. But God says speak to the barrenness. And move on to a place of life. In which God's called you. You've got to choose to overcome. You've got to make up your mind. These are the things I'm going to speak. Faith is activated 
when we push the stats aside, we put it out of our mind, the failures of our past. So many people live in a failure they had five years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago. And they still bring it up. You know, i got so much to make up for in God. That sounds spiritual. But you know what? It's not. It's very carnal. That's some of the most carnal thinking. i got so much to make. God is such a big God that he's put those seeds of faith and potential in you. Even after the time he given, he's given, gave those to you. That if you have bumps or disappointments or whatever the stopping place the enemy is trying to attack you with. And yes, you may have messed it up big, but God's such a big God that no matter if you have stopped there for two years, five years, seven years, nine years, whatever it may be, he can, you can get right where you need to be and he can accelerate you in time to the place you need to be. That's what grace is. That's how his grace works in our life. But we want to penalize ourselves, and the enemy wants us to go to this emotional tree that looks enticing, that sounds spiritual. Well, I just got so much to make up for. I just don't know if I ever will. God's saying, there's not, that's called legalism. He said, there's nothing for you to make up. You're never more saved than the day you get saved. Mic drop right there. But you had someone in church for 50 years saying, well, you know, when you've been through all the trials I've been through and all those, no, it sounds like they're still yet in a trial. I don't want to, I don't let them speak into my life. I need someone that says, honey, that's not going to last long. Listen, that past, it's not going to hang on to you. You need those type of people speaking over your life. That thing that happened 10 years ago, God don't even remember it anymore. I'm trying to help somebody today. But we can still praise, we can still worship in the beauty of holiness, we still yet give thankfulness to God. If he can raise the dead, if he can heal the sick and save humanity for their sins, surely he can take care of my situation and I don't have to live in a barren place. Push out doubt. Last point today is that you need to speak to the mountain. And we've looked at this every week. What is your mountain? Your mountain is whatever is contending the seed of faith or the seed of promise in your life. So you have the mountain, but then you have your promise. Your promise is what God's promised you for your house. Your promise is what God's promised you for your finances and for your body and for your emotional well-being and for your healing physically and so many good things that God has for you, for ministry. Those are the seeds of promise. The mountain usually contends against the seeds of promises in your life. You're like, well, how, how do you know that? Well, most of the time, the enemy is so cunning that he'll attack us with one thing. And that mountain is actually contending for the seed of promise in our life. Though we think it's something else. But the enemy will use anything he can as a mountain to contend against your seeds of potential from progressing. you got to make up your mind. No matter what you messed up, no matter where you've been or what you've done, nothing is going to trump or overtake the seeds of promise and potential that God's put in my life. There's not a devil in hell worth it. 
There's not an issue or problem in this world so big that it can overtake God's word. Because when everything has burned and has gone in this world, one thing God's promised us is that his word will forever stand. When the news media is gone, his word stands. When the vision is gone, his word stands. When the opinions of man is gone, his word stands. When your emotionalism is gone, his word stands. You can try all day long to tell me what's going on in your life. Those things will be burned and gone. But one thing that is everlasting, that is the first and the last, that is the Alpha and the Omega, is the Word of God, Jesus Christ, living from these pages to our lives. Nothing trumps that. Get mad at that doctor's report. Say, no, 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 not, not my family. I know we've told you before, and Chris has told you, I remember my kid couldn't speak for a long time. Even when he went to kindergarten, people couldn't understand him. All right? But I can remember at 18 months old and three years old, we never gave up. Had issues, devil fight every way, but we would bring him up on the Sunday night services. We would anoint him with oil. We would hold him. We would weep over him. I would see him sleeping in his bed at night, and I'd go speak life over him. I'm telling you, the devil can't win when you speak the word of God. Some of you need to get mad. You need to quit being passive in your faith. It's time to declare war on the enemy. This is me and my house. This is my child. This is my family. This is my finances. This is my emotional wealth. Devil, you're a liar. I will not live in the barren land, but I will live in the land of the fruit and the living of the Spirit of God. I'm ready to throw his mouth against the wall. I'm telling you, I know... I know what my God spoke to me. I know what he's done for me. He's no respecter of persons when it comes to the promises of God. You just need to speak life. You need to receive them. Know that it's for you. Don't read the word of God. So that's for sister so I just know it. No, you're reading. It's for you. It's for everybody. It's for whosoever will. Every promise is for you. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.